0: may God continue to richly bless your journey every step of the way.
1: I wonder how many of you good Baptists saw the title and had a heart attack. Uh, Thought we were going to maybe have an exercise uh, session this morning or do some weightlifting or something, but uh, that will be for another day. But for today we are going to talk about working out your salvation. So, We've been learning a lot around here lately, uh, I hope, and is there anybody here that you learn something at church, and then it's like everything you read in the Bible now looks different? Does is is anybody know what I'm talking about? It's like you've been reading the Bible all this time, and then you learn something, and then after you learn it, it's like, wow, now everything's changed. Everything doesn't look like it looked before. And, and this is uh, I, this is something I feel that we've been trying to, to talk about for a long time and convey to the church uh, what we want to talk about today. and um, and I think this verse right here really helps us to understand it. So we preached a few weeks back about uh, you guys remember the message about God didn't give us all the details. Remember that? You know, there are just a multitude of things. Actually, most things in the Bible, God does not specifically tell us how to live it. He gives us a lot of principles and very, very few details. And we, just, we said in that message that, did God make a mistake? Did he forget something? Is he just not paying attention? Is he leaving things out? And he, you know, do we need more than the word of God? Is it enough to live the Christian life? But why would he write a book that is supposed to be the word of God that is supposed to tell us how to please him and leave out all the details? Why would he do that? And we discussed that in a prior message. But I want you to think about that. And then we come to this verse, and it says, work out your salvation. Now, let's just, let's just do a little um, in context. Let's get this verse in context. You Bible readers will know that Paul went to, and, and those of you that are reading through Acts, we're, we're going to get to this here in a little bit, but, um, but Paul went to Philippi, and he found Lydia. Remember that? And and she didn't know the Lord, and there was a bunch of women there having a having whatever women they do, you know, they were all there together. And, and Jesus comes in, and, and Lydia's heart was open, and she received the Lord. And then shortly after that, they put Paul in prison, right? So now they lock him up, and then he's in the jail, and then, then the, you know, earthquake comes, and they walk out of the prison, and then, and then next thing you know, the jailer gets saved. And the businesswoman and the jailer start to church, right? And so Paul preached to them. He was there in person. He was there physically preaching to them. There were some new converts, and we're not given all the details, but there must have been a leader who rose up. Maybe it was a jail keeper. We don't know. But someone rose up. They had a pastor. They had leadership. They started a church, brand-new church. Paul was there. He preached to them. And now not being there, he has written a letter to them, and he's giving them some instructions. And the neat thing about Philippians is, you know, most all Bible scholars say the book of Philippians is a book of joy. Paul loved the church of Philippi. It was his joy. It was. He, it's not like Corinthians. He's not saying, you know, you got all this terrible things in the church. You got all this sin. You guys. It, it is more of a book of, of of encouragement and instruction because they didn't have some of the problems they had at Corinth. But Paul now has. He has been there physically preaching to them. He has been there by letter telling them what to do. And he, and even he, he says, you know, he says, you guys have always obeyed. That's a pretty big compliment. I mean how would you like the how would you like the, the great apostle Paul to tell Sandhill, Hill you guys have always obeyed. But then he said this. He said not just when I'm there in person, but when I'm not there, you're still obeying. Right? It was pretty pretty awesome. But then he says work out your own salvation. Work out So the definition there, uh, I think I put it in your notes, uh, but the definition there of the Greek word for work out, I thought this was interesting. It is to perform or to accomplish, To, uh, to perform or to accomplish. Remember last week we talked about application, learning the Bible isn't why we're here, it's living it out. Right, and this word "workout" is that is what it means. It means to perform. It means to take the word of God and apply it to our lives, live it out, accomplish what God has planned for us. So we are to li- we are to work out, perform uh, uh, what God's word says. But I want you to pay very, very close attention. It says, "With fear and trembling, we do not have the idea here." Uh, flippantly, man, nah, I'm saved by grace, doesn't matter. We don't have that here. You know what we have? Take the entire Word of God, take every principle out of it, apply it to your life, perform, accomplish what the Word of God says, and do it with fear and trembling. That's what the Bible says. And, and again, this, this verse has been a, 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 an interest to me for a long time, and I've heard a lot of preachers talk about it, and, and it and it's kind of seems like one of those things I, no one really gets their hand around. But as I think as I begin to understand it, uh, what it is really saying is Paul is, is complimenting a very good church who has always been obedient, and he's saying, accomplish, perform, carry out what the Word of God says, and do it with fear and trembling. But then he goes on to say, "For it is God which worketh in you, both to will and to do His good pleasure." So, what? So, on one hand, he's saying you got to live what the Bible says, but on the other hand, he's saying God is one who's going to make it happen in you, right? And and so we put those two things together and and the word worketh, uh, I thought I had it, do I have that in your notes? Uh, The word worketh means uh, uh, to, to, um, uh, I, I thought I had it wrote down, I don't see it in my notes. It means to, it means to carry out. It's what it, it's what uh, uh, um, God is doing. He's carrying it out in our life. He's he's doing it in our lives, right? And, and so so God is we we are working it out, but God is working it in, and He's making us what He wants us to be, and, and we are uh, uh, just being moldable clay for Him to do something with. Now, if any of that makes any sense to you whatsoever, do you see why now? That God can take principles and make lumps of clay that look like Jesus. Do you guys see? Do you guys see this? It isn't a. It, it, everything isn't uh, given to us in detail, but God is working in us, and the Holy Spirit is working through us, and, and we just present ourselves as moldable uh, clay, and He, He, uh, uh, um works in us. So how does this work in practicality? I don't see in this verse, especially when, when he, when Paul adds in with fear and trembling, I don't see in this verse, read your Bible. It doesn't say I can't. So I'm going to, does anybody see that in here? See, that, that's kind of sometimes, what, that, that's what you call a liberal church, by the way. But, but there, there's three things that says concrete, we're going to do those three. It doesn't say all the rest, so hey, we can do anything we want to. doesn't say what we have to do in this, doesn't say what we have to do in that. There, it's not covered, so we're free to do anything we want to. That doesn't sound like fear and trembling to me. <laughs> that, that sounds like uh, looking for loopholes to me. But in fear and trembling, there are a lot of principles. And if the Lord would bless me, because uh, it' has been so strongly in my heart, I would really like to, to preach many, many messages on principles, because as I begin to think of all of the principles in the Word of God. You know, there are principles think about this. There are principles in the Word of God that a man and a woman are different. That's a principle. Now, does it give you every minute detail about that? No. But it tells you a man and a woman are different in how they look, and who they are and what they do in their job and their position. That is a principle. You can learn those principles and then apply them to your life and have God work them into you and you can live like a woman or live like a man. But we can throw it out and say the Bible doesn't say and we can live any way we want to. And that's not in fear and trembling, that's not the Lord work. Does that make any sense to you guys? And we could go on with, with many, 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 um, so many principles we find in the Bible that we don't get clear, thou shalt not, but we get principles, and those principles will guide our lives. So I've been trying to preach, I, I, I feel like these messages are going together in my mind, they may not be with you guys, but I've been trying to preach what is church and, and, and you know all the different things we've been talking about lately, app, applying the word of God. And I feel like there's confusion with what I've been saying. So I want to make this message, um, my goal is to make this message clear. Okay? <clears throat> so, so let's just, let's try to get into the outline and see, see if we can make this make sense. Christ's bride is to be spotless. Amen? Isn't that what the Word of God says? Paul said, "I would to present you as a as a chaste virgin, spotless uh, before your before your bridegroom. We are to be spotless, so so we do not come. Uh, the, 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 now, how many of you know that the church is the people, right? The, the church is the people. So we're not talking about the building here. We're talking about the people. The people are to be spotless. So the standard needs to be raised and not lowered. I really want you guys to understand that." We've been preaching a lot of things, and again, I think it's confused by a lot of people in this church, and I think a lot of wrong views on both sides on this. But the, the idea at Sand Hill, the idea of the Word of God, we want to raise the standard. I believe that their standard is way too low for being a Christian. I believe you can say, I've been saved, I've been to the altar, I don't commit adultery, and I go to church every once in a while, and that'll get you to be called a Christian. I think that standard is way too low. I think it should be a lot higher than that. I think we need to raise that standard, raise it by what the word of God says. And to be a member of Sand Hill Church, I think the standard needs to be raised high, way higher than what it is. And listen, it's not enough. It's not enough that you wear a dress to church on Sunday and and that makes you a member of Sand Hill Church. Can I get an amen? That's not enough. It ought to be the standards raised high that you not only have to, to look a certain way, but you have to act a certain way and you have to be a certain way. And that God has to be working in you. And if you're not that, you can't be a member of this church. The standard needs to be raised because Christ's bride is to be spotless. Amen. And I think that he's that's what he's telling us here is we work it out. And it—it it, it is because some people want to read this verse. Uh, our text verse, and some people want to say, well, that just means that me and Jesus can work it out the way we want, and I can do anything I want to. That's how a lot of people like to interpret this. And then, of course, those want to twist it around and say that it, we are working for our salvation and all kinds of crazy things. But I think what he's really saying is, can I, can I say this? This is what I think he's really saying. If you, everybody here, will present yourself as a moldable piece of clay, he will make you To look like Jesus. And that's what he wants. See, the standard isn't lowered, the standard is raised. The standard is being more like Jesus. And he will do that if we will allow him uh, uh, in our hearts to do that. So, we want to raise the standards. We want want the standards to be high for what we call Christians and what we call members of the Sand Hill Church. And, And that standard needs to be God's standard and not Gary's standard. Very, very important point. It isn't just man-made rules. It is what God says. The standard needs to be high. And can anybody agree with me? Can anybody help me on this? Don't we want what we call Christians, don't we want that standard to be high? It doesn't just mean that you live any way you want to and do anything you want to, but you keep a couple of rules. That's not being a good Christian. And being a member of Samuel Church isn't just keeping three rules. It is lifting the standard high that you actually are on fire for Jesus. And that's what we want that's what we want to do. Now, the standard needs to be raised high, and Christ is not looking for an anything-goes church. Can can I get an amen? So many churches today, and and I think some of you think this is where Gary's going, and this is not where Gary's going. But so many churches today, this this is how they read their Bible. It says, Thou shalt not commit adultery. We can't commit adultery. It doesn't say, Thou shalt not drink. Thou shalt not gamble. Thou shalt not wear pants. It doesn't say that. So, we can do anything we want to. Can I tell you, that's an anything goes church. And we don't, listen, you have to get another pastor if that's what you want here. That's not what we want here. And that's not what Jesus wants here. Jesus doesn't want an anything goes church. In other words, so many people, have, so many churches have come to the point, if you can't show me concrete, black and white details, says I can't do it. I can do anything I want to. How do I say this nicely? If that's your mindset, you really need to come to the altar. You really need to come to the altar because you don't understand the Word of God. There are principles in here of how we are to live, and we are to live by the principle. But again, it's not man-made principles. It is God's principles. So what God's not looking for in anything goes church. Um, I I love Jesus. He doesn't care how I live, what I do. He doesn't care about it. I can do anything I want to. That's kind of the mentality of so many Christians today. And again, there are multitudes. Today, Sunday morning, in the United States of America, there are probably literally millions and millions and millions of people sitting in a church house somewhere. If the rapture comes this morning... How many of you think are still going to be sitting there? Because everybody that goes to church and everybody says they're Christian is not going to heaven. Right? And guys, we want, I want everybody here to go. I want us to have an empty church. Amen? Come on. Amen. If the rapture comes, I don't want there to be one person left. I want everybody going. But we got to understand what it is to be a Christian and, and raise the standard high and not lower it down when we just call everything a Christian because Christ doesn't do that. Christ accepts you as you are. You know we've preached a lot about people coming into this church and, you know, looking like the world and being, you know, sinners. And we want to be accepting of them, and we do. And we want to have them come in and be saved, and we do. But our motto is not "come as you are, stay as you are," and Jesus loves you. Our motto is, "We'll take you any way you are," but Jesus loves you too much to leave you like that. He'll clean you up, right? And so, so that that is the understanding we have is that Christ is going to clean us up, <clears throat> and I, I don't have time to preach this out. This is kind of what Sunday school has been about for three years now. But what about all of the fleshly people who claim to love Jesus? Is is anybody with me? <laughs> is anybody with me? In other words, in church, we see it all across all the churches we know and everybody that we all, all over all of our lives. We have seen this, that the standard has been you got to keep these three rules, uh, but you can be hateful. You can be mean. You can be nasty. You cannot love Jesus. You cannot want to read your Bible. You cannot give a church. But you are a great Christian because you keep these three rules. <laughs> That's not what Jesus said. That's not what Jesus said. And that doesn't make you a great Christian because you do those things. And so many people are living very fleshly. They're very selfish. They're very self-willed. They're very hateful. They're very mean. They're very ugly. And they say they love Jesus. I am saying at Sand Hill Church, why don't we go by the Bible? Can I just say this? The, 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 I'll get my outline all out of order. But the girls have been uh, about been uh, talking about the fruit of the Spirit can I just say this? If you're a mean person, you don't love Jesus. I don't care if you wear a dress seven days a week and never cut your hair. You don't love Jesus. Right? Is that okay? So we got that backwards. You can be mean and hateful and hate people, but if you wear a dress, you're a good Christian. No. You love Jesus because you live the fruit of the Spirit right? And we get these things mixed up, and we get them back where they are supposed to be. And Now, I said you don't love Jesus. I didn't say you weren't saved. That's between you and God. I'm just saying you don't really love Jesus when you are mean to other people. When you are mad all the time and hateful and hold grudges and won't speak to other people and, and talk about people and all those things, you don't love Jesus. Why don't we let the Word of God straighten us out and live right? And so so that's what we're trying to get. So so we're trying to get to uh, Christ wants a a spotless bride. We want to raise the standard high. We we want uh, 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 um, uh, Christ is looking for, uh, he's not looking for an anything goes church. And he wants a sold out, all in surrendered saints. That's what he's looking for. If you understand anything I'm saying this morning... That word gets thrown around here a lot. I know Josh has been teaching that in Sunday school for 12 years back in the back. But that word surrender, it's easy to say with your lips. You guys understand what that means? No resistance. No resistance. God, you speak, and I will do it. I'm all in. You know what that means? There's nothing you can ask that I won't do. You guys getting this? When I hear the word of God preached, I'm not bucking up and resisting and in my flesh and this is how we've always done it. When the word of God says it, I will change that Sunday. That's surrendered. That's all in. Right? That's what he's looking for. And and so when we get to that place, we we will we will be what Christ needs us to be. So we're going to look at what this looks like. Now, I intentionally l- use some graphic detail here and 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 not necessarily trying to be funny, but, but trying to be very, very graphic. But point number two, so we said Christ is looking for a, a spotless bride. Number two is an ugly bride. Are you even allowed to say that? <laughs> Are you even allowed to say that? You know all of you women you want you know you want your the day you get you know your wedding day to be you know you're beautiful and you look you know everything is just perfect and and you know and that that's really important to the brides and and we make a really big deal about that and not that there's anything wrong with any of that but I want to look at some ugly brides I made my first point putting makeup on now, I'm trying to be graphic here on purpose. I'm trying to to give you something that will get your attention. I'm not opposed to makeup. I actually think makeup's a good thing, okay? I think it sometimes can help, right? But here's the thing. It can only do so much. It, it, it has its limits, right? If you are horribly ugly, you can't put it on thick enough to look good, Right? Right? See, at least I got you awake now, right? At least, you're laughing at me, but at least you're awake. So you have a really, really ugly woman, and you're going to put mascara and, and, and all this stuff on her face. And you, What's she going to look like? A really ugly woman with a lot of makeup on. All <laughs> right? And no one's going to say, wow, that is gorgeous. And, and that, now there is another thing. There is another thing. You see some really beautiful women, and you think, oh, my gosh, she is gorgeous. Until she comes home and washes her face. And then you think, oh my gosh. That's horrible. Right? Now, now y'all know that's true. But let's think about spiritually. Is Jesus looking for something ugly that's all painted up? Do you guys understand what I'm trying to say? As Christians, we are very good at having a very ugly inside and painting it all up on the outside and saying, look at me, I'm a beautiful bride. And Jesus said, saying, no, you disgust me and you make me sick. And I know that's very graphic, but I want it to be. I want it to be graphic. I want you to understand Christ is not impressed with your outward Phariseeism. Christ is impressed by your genuine heart. Do you guys get this? Are you guys understanding this? And an ugly bride is not what Christ is looking for. And, and, and how many of you have seen this? Uh, we we have the the women that are just so ugly that makeup is never going to help them. We have the women that maybe look good until they take their makeup off. But how many of you know this? We have some women that are actually pretty, and they put on makeup and they look gorgeous until you talk to them for a few minutes. And after you talk to them, you think, oh my gosh, she might look good on the outside. But she, I would not want to spend five minutes with that woman. She is, she is mean, right? And I mean, I've seen women, I thought, man, she is really pretty. And then after she talks for just a few minutes, I think, man, I want nowhere near that woman. You know what I'm talking about? What I'm trying to get you guys to see is that's how church can become. We're all prettied up on the outside, and we're very ugly on the inside. And that is not what Christ wants. That's not what he wants for his church. So we got women putting makeup on. Okay, we're full of flesh, we're full of selfishness, we're full of pride, but we look good on the outside. So that's one way we can be dirty, uh, be an ugly bride, is by by putting on makeup. And that is just trying to get the idea of the spiritual, uh, covering it up, making the outside look good, and and, and make the... Look how explicit Jesus was. Ye whited sepulchres... Outwardly, you're all cleaned up, but inwardly, you have dead man's bones. Do you guys get that? He's saying you might look like a Christian on the outside, but I can see on the inside, and it's ugly. It's dead man's bones. And so, 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 Christ is not looking for something that's just polished up on the outside. But can I say this also? He's not looking for someone that comes. Uh, to a bride who comes with dirty clothes on now now some of you sisters can you just imagine this it is your wedding day you've got your wedding gown on and it's your big day and you fall in a mud puddle on the way to the wedding and I mean you've got mud from head to toe it's all over your face it's all over your hair it's all over your dress it, it, you're just filthy see that that, that gets our attention, but I want you to understand that's how some people come to Christ. So, I'm trying to show you we have that class of people, that class of Christians who want it all cleaned up on the outside, but they're not doing anything to, to fix what the real problem is. And we have those other group of people who say, I'm not worried about being a Pharisee, I just love Jesus. I'm not going to change anything in my life, I'm going to stay just like I am. I'm changing nothing, I'm just going to come as I am. Well, you're coming dirty to Christ because you're not willing to change. So, you're not being a Pharisee, you're just being a, a, a dirty Christian. Is, am I making sense to anybody here? Is anybody following me? Thank you, Rachel. Rachel's with me. All right. It's going to be all right now. <clears throat> so we don't want to just leave ourselves dirty. We don't want to come and say, well, he does, he's not worried about how I dress. He's not worried about this. He's not worried about that. I just do anything I want to. So if he doesn't want us cleaning up the outside and being dirty on the inside, and he doesn't want us to just do nothing with the outside, what does he really want? <clears throat> Let's look at point number three. We are not the Holy Spirit. Can I get an amen? amen? Raise your hand if you are the Holy Spirit. Raise your hand if you'd like to have His job. Right? We are not the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has been giving a very uh, um, specific job. And, and, and we, we want to use it for a whole lot of things, but you know really what the Bible says, is what the Holy Spirit was given for? To straighten me and you out. That was really the main priority of the Holy Spirit. It was given to strengthen. Here's my definition, Jess. You've probably already seen this, and I didn't. I knew I had it in my notes. I couldn't find it. I found it. Worketh uh, back to verse number thirteen. <clears throat> I know you guys are not right about now. All thinking the pastor's has lost his mind, and you are correct. <clears throat> uh, verse number thirteen. It says, God, "God, which worketh in you." That word "worketh" in the Greek is uh, is the word uh, "energo." There in the, in the Greek, and it means to to be operative, uh, to be at work, and to put forth power. That's what Christ is doing in us. That's what the Holy Spirit is doing in us. So we're we're working. We're we're trying to accomplish and perform what God's showing us, but the Holy Spirit is is working in us uh, to, to, to do a work and give us the power to be able to be what we're supposed to be. And so I want us to understand how this works. Now, I will stand strongly on this. I've really built my whole ministry on this. Um, I believe this. If you don't believe this, um, we have an a, a impasse, okay? I've preached this over and over and over again. I hope everybody here is in agreement with me. But, but we got to get this straight, people. If you are here this morning and you are truly saved, the preached Word of God will change your life. And if the preached Word of God does not change your life... I have to wonder if you've really been saved. Is anybody with me on this? The girls, uh, again, had the podcast, um, and, and I just love what they said. They, they were making a point about faith, and they said, um, we don't trust one another. We don't have faith in each other. So, so, so I can look at Josh and say, I don't have any faith in Josh. I, I, I've known him long enough, he's going to fail, he's going to mess up, he's, he's, he's not going to be what he's supposed to be. But I do have faith in the one he serves. And though I can't fix Josh, I know the one who can. And if Josh knows him, he will fix Josh. It's not my job to fix Josh, it's his job to fix Josh. Is anybody following me this morning? And think of how that trans, trans, changes everything in the church. If, if if Sister George is not where she's supposed to be, if, if I go to her and scold her and yell at her and, and tell her how bad she is and get all over everything else, that's not going to fix it. If she's saved, the Word of God is going to change her, and the Holy Spirit will make her different. If she does not change, it shows me she's not a Christian. I think it's that simple, people. If you come to this church... And you're not changing leaves a whole lot of doubt to whether you have salvation. Is that too blunt? And if you are changing, the Holy Spirit's a lot better at it than I am. Okay? So if we understand that, the Holy Spirit's what fixes us, it's what changes us, it's what makes us different. And I can just say this <clears throat> you know, everybody knows I'm hard headed, and, and, and I am. And, and I'm not the only person here who's hard headed, but I am hard headed. But the truth is, if, if probably just about anybody here was to come and argue with me and tell me how I need to change, you know what i probably do? I'd buck up and say, no, I i don't need to change, right? But how many of you know when God comes to my office and tells me that I'm wrong, things change? Is anybody following me here? It takes the Holy Spirit to change us. And if you just grasp that concept, it really kind of makes everything else uh, make sense. <clears throat> So, our duty here at the church is to hold high the word of God, the whole counsel of God. So, my job as a pastor, the other brothers here at the church, the other preachers here in the church, our job as preachers is to preach the whole counsel of God, not our favorite pet peeves, not everything, but to preach all of the word of God, preach it accurately, preach it correctly in context, preach it the way God would have preached, preach the word of God. And if you are saved, you will change. And if you don't change, you're not saved or you are backslidden. It's really that simple, people. And so, do you, does anybody follow Is anybody follow me here? I, I can say, Georgia, I preached that this morning, you didn't change. Straight up, woman. I can say that. That's not, that's not how we're supposed to do it. But you know, that's how a lot of people think that's how church ought to be run. They think church ought to be run by, I preached it, so now I'm going to go twist your arm until you do it. No, how about I preach it, let the Holy Spirit fix you, and if the Holy Spirit doesn't fix you, that just shows us that you're not saved. Am I making sense to anybody? I think this. I think this is is very uh, um, really changes everything how we look at the church. So. I don't know how good of a job I did. I may not have. Uh, I'm not done yet. Don't put. Don't pack up on me. But I don't know how good of a job I did. But I talked last week about application, and I was trying really hard to hurry up and get through the outline, so I have a little time for application, um, because uh, we need application. So I preach this message, like I said last week. We we get through the points, and you guys say, "Okay, I, I sort of get it," but I, but there's no application, and you go away not really knowing how. So we're gonna make try and try and get this down where we can get a hold of it. <clears throat> I think this, and I'm going to be really blunt, and this might hurt a little bit of feelings and, and whatever this morning. But I'm going to be really, really blunt, and I'm doing this on purpose because I really wanted to get our attention. But I want to look now by way of application. Everything I just said—if you understand anything I just said—I want to look by way of the people who have been here a long time. Okay, there are people. There are people who. There are people here who were here before I got saved. There are people who have been here just about since I got uh, uh, not saved, but started pastoring a church. And so the people that have been here a long time. I like to look at their lives, and I like to see if we have anything. So, so if we're not talking about lowering the standard, if we're not talking about anything goes in church, if we're talking about raising the standard high and doing what the Word of God says, if that's what we're talking about, if we're talking about working out the the the, the, the Word of God in our lives where we're living up to the Word of God and where the Holy Spirit is working in us to perform what He wants us to be and giving us the part. Of, if that's what we're talking about, I want to try to. And if you would just follow me, I think this makes everything so. Very very clear, and I'm not saying this to hurt anybody, I I just think sometimes you have to be blunt enough to, you know when I start talking about ugly women, all of you woke up, you know, and and sometimes, you know, it's easy to just let your mind kind of drift until something kind of smacks you in the face, so I want to talk about this, the people who have been here a long time. Now work with me, and and those of you that are newer to the church, just just try to follow along with this, because you probably need this too. But those of you that have been here a long, long time, I preached a couple weeks back about some of the the stages we go through in our Christian life and everything, but I want you to think about this. There are many, many here that years and years ago, I gave you a list of do's and don'ts. Does anybody remember? Remember? Can't wear shorts, gotta wear dresses, can't get your hair cut, can't have facial hair, can't listen to this music, can't do this. It gave you this long list of rules. And you know what a lot of you did? Exactly what I told you to do. Exactly what I told you to do. You listened to every rule I gave you and you faithfully. Now, I believe back to that message I preached. I believe that's because you love Jesus and you wanted to be what Jesus wanted you to be. And so you were carrying out all the rules that Gary gave you. And we kind of were cookie cutter. So here we have all the people who are listening to Gary's rules. And here we have all the people who are not listening to Gary's rules. And we have the good Christians here who are doing what Gary says. And we have the bad Christians over here who are not doing what Gary says. And that, that was kind of the way it laid out. But, but, but can I just say this to, to everybody that's here. All of you precious people. And a lot of them are my family. So, but, but, but all of you precious people who faithfully followed everything I said. Can I tell you why you were wearing a dress and not cutting your hair and not having facial hair? You were real ugly on the inside. Can it just be that graphic? Some of you were very self-centered, self-willed, get your feelings hurt, mad, hateful—just uh, just a lot of really ugly, ugly things. But you were keeping Gary's rules. Does anybody follow that? That's not what we're supposed to be doing. <laughs> Am I making sense to anybody? Now, so so time went on, and the pastor grew a little bit, and we got a little better understanding. Everybody looked alike, but there were some really displeasing things to the Lord. Now I understand, back to my message, I understand that there was some of that was just immaturity and you needed to grow up and you needed to get closer to God. I, I, I get all that. I'm trying to make the point of what we're of what we're trying to preach this morning. Today, and I could name a whole bunch of names and I'd leave somebody out and someone would get their feelings hurt, but I could name you a whole bunch of names. And I think I could put a long, long list together people today in 2022 at Sand Hill Church right now who quit following Gary's rules and are following Jesus' rules, and they are so much better Christians than they were before. Is anybody following me? It, it, they started being, um, I, I, I told Renee this and I hope it's all right to say out loud, and I think everybody knows how Renee is. You know me and me and Josh and Chrissy and this really messes Renee up. It, she really, really has a struggle with this. Seriously, it's it's a huge stumbling block for her. But all of us, you know, if you're going to tell me to be kind, I'm going to think about 17 different ways to analyze that, and it's all this complicated confusion. You know how how Renee takes the Bible? God says be kind. I'm going to be kind. <laughs> it's not that simple for me. It's not even close to that simple for me. It's complicated and confusing, and and I got to figure out how. So they started studying the fruit of the spirit, and the Bible says kindness. Guess what Renee started doing? She started being kind. And I'm like, wow. That's what the Bible says. And that's what you got to do. See, she was working out, she was performing and accomplishing what the Word of God had said to her, and the Holy Spirit was giving her the power to do it. And if I could make fun of my wife here just for a minute, and I might need a place to stay tonight, brothers, but <clears throat> if I can make fun of my wife here for a minute. But, but since the girl started pre- uh, teaching this, this lesson, because i will be realizing, Christy, please forgive me, I listen to a lot of things they've been teaching since the have been reading, and I think that is, like, that is like college-level stuff that is off the charts. But I'm thinking neither one of them are living it, but it's really, really good stuff, All right? But then Renee comes home, and I'll do something bad, and she's like, I'm just waiting for the nuclear explosion to come. And she's like, oh, she's real nice. And I bring her something, and she says, well, thank you, honey. And and she does something, she said, oh, honey, I am so sorry. Who is this woman I'm living with, and who would you do with my wife? Does anybody get what I'm talking about here? Now, would Jesus rather have someone who's obeying his word and applying it to their lives, or someone who looks real good on the outside, who's real ugly on the inside? Is anybody following me this morning? And that's what I'm saying. God can clean us up and make us what we're supposed to be if we'll just surrender to Him. And I think we have a lot of evidence. that. So, there are a lot of people in this church who the Holy Spirit has started working in their lives. And again, I can name many, many names. You're not like you were five years ago. You're not like you were ten years ago. You were a very different person, and it is because the Holy Spirit is working in you and and not uh, just doing what Gary says. So I want to ask this question at Sand Hill Church. I want to ask this question. You can answer it out loud if you want to. Uh, but I want you to really think about this. And I think, we have, I think we have corrected some of this at the Sand Hill Church. But who do we esteem at the Sand Hill Church? I'm not talking about Jesus. That's not the answer we're looking for. I'm talking how do we, how do we judge who's a good Christian and who's not? You know, um, I made a comment here uh, uh, several messages ago that, you know, I think Jamie is one of the best Christians in the church. Um, just, just watching how, how her life is. So, how do we judge that? At the Sand Hill Church, do we say if you dress this way and do this here and do this here and do this here and do this here and you know you don't you don't play cards, you don't go to the movies, you don't cut your hair, you you, you wear a dress seven days you do, do we at the Sand Hill Church say now that person is a good Christian? Is that how Sand Hill Church thinks? I don't think we think that way at all. How many of you know we've seen a whole lot of those and they're not good Christians? Are you following me? So how do we judge what is a good Christian? Do we find that person in the church who says, I love Jesus and I'm not changing anything in my life and he didn't tell me I had to so I'm not going to and I'm just going to live any way I want to, but hey, I love Jesus. Do we count that person as a good Christian? No, we do not. Do you know who we count as a good Christian? It's the people that God is changing them on the inside. I look at Rachel and, and Jamie and, 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 and just a whole bunch. I could name a whole, whole, whole bunch of names, but I look at a whole bunch of them, and God is making them different than they were before. It's not Gary. It's not rules. It's not Sand Hill. It is the Holy Spirit making them different. And can I tell you as a pastor, as a, as a fleshly, naive, young preacher who loved Jesus... It made me feel really good that so many of you would just do anything I said. That made me feel really good. I can say anything and you guys will do, do what I say. That made me feel really good. But you know what makes me feel really, really good? When Rachel and Jamie and a whole bunch of the rest of you are growing close to the Savior and it has nothing to do with me. Do you guys get this? Do you guys understand? Am I making sense, you guys? And there are a whole lot of people saying, who are drastically changing in their lives, they're being different, because the Holy Spirit is molding and shaping them. And I am saying that is working out your own salvation, and that is the Holy Spirit working in you to give you the power to be able to carry it out. That is what God wants us to do. And it is, it is, to me, it is so very evident, those in this church. So, the, if I am sitting down and I'm making a list of the very best Christians we have, those that we look up to the most, I'm going to start with the people who have changed the most. Who the Holy Spirit is working in them the most. And if the Holy Spirit is not working in you, i got to understand you're probably not saved. If the Holy Spirit is working very slow in you, that tells me there's some rebellion there and you're resisting. But if you're just changing when the Spirit changes you, then now you are a good Christian in St. Church. Is anybody following me? I think that makes perfect sense. <clears throat> so, let's go to this one. <clears throat> I have talked many, many times about people coming into the church um, and they don't know anything about the church, they don't know anything about Jesus, never been raised in church, mom and dad weren't Christians, grandma and grandpa weren't Christians, don't know anything about the Lord, don't know anything about anything. And they come into the church and they want to get saved. Okay? And thank God, praise God. Can we just stop for just a minute? If, you, if Those of you that have been here a long time, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, I used to preach these messages and there was nobody here except for Southern people who have been raised in church all their lives. And I know most of them thought, why in the world does he want other people in here who have not been raised in church and different ethnicities and, and, and they're all messed up? Why can't we just keep it good old Southern people who all believe in Jesus, Right? But I praise God for that. And this is my calling. This is my mission. But there's a lot of people who come into the church and a lot of people here right now who come in really, really messed up. Praise God. Praise God for that. Let me tell you this little funny little story. I get you awake again. It's not ugly women, but let me get you awake again. And then I'll, I'll give you this, I've been dying to give you this illustration, but I heard a story. So I, I have the challenge sometimes of, of those who don't know things are right and wrong. They have never been in church before. Heard this story about a group of, of uh, missionaries went to this uh, this unreached people and they preached, and I believe it was for years, they preached a gospel, preach a gospel, preach a gospel, preach a gospel, and nobody wanted it and they rejected them, and I I think they wanted to kill them, and it was just it was just a long, long story for years and years and years they preached. The gospel, preach the gospel. And nothing happened. Nothing happened. And finally, one day, uh, they they changed their presentation a little bit. They they finally got where the truth sunk in. And it was one guy come to him and said, after years and years and years of no one wanting the gospel, one man finally come to him and he says, "I want that. I want to be saved." And the missionary's like, "Oh, after all of these years, finally somebody wants Jesus." He said, yeah, and my seven wives do, too. (laughs) Now, we think we have it bad in America trying to sort all this out. Try to be the pastor who's pastoring that man who's the only one in the whole place who wants Jesus, and he's got seven wives, right? But my point is, why did he have seven wives? Because the culture told him to. Now, I don't even know what the answer to that is, okay? I don't know. Any, me, any, my, I I I don't know what the answer to that is, right? But, but that, that is a problem. But what I'm saying is people come into church messed up. Amen? What are we going to do about it? And I hope you guys are with me. This is, this is why Gary put me here, or why God, put, why God put Gary here. But I want messed up people. I want people who have ruined their lives. I want people who have made a lot of mistakes, I want people who don't know everything about Jesus, I want them to come in and find Jesus at Sand Hill Church. That's my heart's desire, and, and I think you guys know that. And, and I I've struggled a lot with this. I don't know, maybe there's a church down the road where they have real old-fashioned standards, and everybody there is Southern, and everybody believes it the same way, and everybody does things exactly and everybody looks exactly alike. And maybe that's what God wants for that church. But my calling, I desire to reach those who are messed up. So, what are we going to do when the guy comes in, and he and he comes to church and he's got uh, he he's got long long hair and he looks like he just walked out of a bar and he's got gang paraphernalia on and 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 and, and he just he's all pierced up and just 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 looks like a good sinner and he comes down and he gets saved and he gives his heart to Jesus and he gets up from there what are we going to do with that man. And some would say we simply set him down and say, You will wear this, you will get rid of that, you will do this and you will do that, and you will change this and you will change that, and you come back next Sunday and we'll accept you. And I think that's the answer a lot of people have. And I preached here a while back about it, and I know a lot of you just kind of freaked out and panicked about it. Let me try to explain what I really mean. So we take him in the back and we find out did he really get saved? Was this an emotional thing? Was this real? Does he understand the plan of salvation? Did he count up the cost? Is he willing to repent and turn away from all of his sins? Does he understand that? Now, I offered, and I'm sure it just scared everybody here to death. I offered that we, I believe, we ought to start offering membership to people who get saved, because I believe that's biblical. Here's the problem if that guy goes to our church and they know he's a member, what are they going to think about us, right? What if they see him on Facebook and they see he does not look like Gary, he's not wearing a suit and tie, they're going to think we're terrible heathens at our church, right? And I've had people literally tell me that. I've had people literally tell me with their lips, from this church, if you let that in, what are they going to think about us, right? Well, they might think we're like Jesus, right? Now, I, I, I talk to this man and I say, okay, you, you really you really seem like you understand salvation. Let me ask you a question. Do you want to learn the Bible? He says, oh, yes, absolutely I do. Do you want to live what you learn in the Bible? Oh, yes, Pastor, I, I, I really do. Okay. You can be a member. Right? He comes back next Sunday. He's still got the long hair. He's still got Ted. He's all looking like the world. Got all the paraphernalia. Got everything. Else, he looks just like the world. And he comes back the next Sunday, and he looks the same way. And he comes back the next Sunday, and he looks the same way. And on and on and on it goes. Here's what I say if that man got saved, God will clean him up. Pretty soon, those things will start disappearing. He'll say, Pastor, I, I, I got, I think it bothered me about my hair. That bothered me. I had to go get a haircut. Pastor, it bothered me that I look like the bars. I look like the world. It bothered me. We start preaching separation. We start preaching reverence. We start preaching uh, looking like a man, not like one. We're preaching all these things. And all of a sudden, he starts to change. Now, now, now everybody please, I, I'm, I'm pouring my heart out. I don't know if anybody's getting with me, but listen to me. Would you rather have a man that the Holy Spirit cleaned up or a man that your pastor cleaned up? Is anybody following me? I can force him to do what we think he should do, and he's just a... He's not what God wants him to be. But when God convicts him, he will change. We have a woman come in, maybe she's maybe she's uh not what we would say decent. Her her skirt's too short her blouse is too low. Uh maybe she's uh um you know, maybe she's wearing pants at church. Whatever the case, be, she's she's not what we we what we would claim that she should be. See, is the pastor saying let's just lower the standard, dress any way you want to, be any way you want to, throw everything out the door, and don't worry about anything we've ever believed? No, that's not what your pastor saying. You know What your pastor's saying? I have confidence that the word of God will change people, and if it doesn't change them, we are wasting our time. Because I can tell you, we've had a multitude of people here. We've taken it back, and we've arm wrestled them down, twisted their arm, and made them do things, and they didn't make it no time. They're not here anymore. And I've had, and I don't think this is the reason why per se completely, but I've had a lot of people from work come to church here who and they they would talk to me at work and they say, I want to come to church, and they come to church and they come to the altar and they get so they say they get saved and they come down and they get back up. And there were people who would pull them aside three weeks after they got saved. You better come back with a dress on, or you better not come back. And they would say, I don't even own a dress, not even know what you're talking about. What and then they would say, Why do we have to wear a dress? Um doesn't say that in the Bible. Right, but I wonder if we would have left that person alone. They don't go here anymore, and let the Holy Spirit. Work. I wonder if they'd be in church today with a dress, being what God wants them to be. Is anybody following what I'm saying? Does this make any sense at all? I'm not saying throw the standards out. I'm not saying it doesn't matter. I'm not saying that. I, I'm saying that if we let the Holy Spirit change people, it will do a much better job than what we can. And I believe we could have a good um, a congregation. That has been molded and shaped by the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> Again, if we preach standard or if we preach uh, principles, and you're saved, those principles are going to change you. We we preached here, uh, or we, I think it might have been on Wednesday night. But we talked about gambling. You know, the Bible doesn't say thou shalt not gamble, right? D- does not say that anywhere in there. Now, I believe there's clear. Biblical principles that you should not be gambling. So, a person can come in, they can get saved, and they can say, You know, I, I go down, play poker every night, I go play the lottery, I do, I do whatever. I pull them aside and say, Not in this church, you don't. You will quit gambling right now, or you won't come back. Or I could pre- preach the principles of the Word of God. Now, here, here's the thing, guys. If that person is truly saved and they love Jesus and they understand the principles of God, what will they do? They'll quit gambling. They'll quit gambling, right? If they don't quit gambling, what does that show us? Should have been a little meaner? No, it shows us their heart's not right with God. They're not saved. So, so what we're saying is we're letting the Holy Spirit change people and letting the Holy Spirit make people different. And we could go on tons of illustrations on that, but I think you get the idea. Um, people will come in not understanding the Bible why don't we preach the Bible and let the Bible clean them up? And can I just tell you this? I've said this to you guys over and over and over again, but if this isn't enough, I don't have anything else to offer you. I have nothing else to give, guys. If this, preaching this, isn't enough, I have nothing more. But I am, I am responsible to God to take all of the counsel and preach it. Listen, I can't back up because of who's here. I can't I can't soft pedal it to try to keep from offending someone. I've got to preach the whole counsel of God, and I think we've seen evidence here on a lot of people that are sitting here right now. And we talked about the people who've been here a long time. I don't want to embarrass anybody, and I'm not going to call any names. I don't want to embarrass anybody, um, but but there are a lot of people who have been in this church two or three years, just a short period of time. Can you guys not see the the change God's made in their lives? I mean, God is transforming them before our very eyes. He's making them different right before us. I think the Holy Spirit does a good job. I think if the Holy Spirit is running your life, He's going to clean you up. And who am I to say, by the way, it's took me 45 years to get where I'm at. <laughs> who am I to say, you're too slow, right? And I still got a whole lot of things wrong with me. So if we preach principles and let the Holy Spirit change people, what I think will happen is, instead of uh, uh, rubber stamping, everybody look exactly the same. <clears throat> let, 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 me, let me make it real clear, because I'm not sure, I, I, I don't like to keep it, here's the problem. Some of you got it like a half hour ago, and some of you still haven't got it, I could talk for another hour and a half, and you still wouldn't have it, right? And that's very frustrating on my part, because some of you like sit down and go home, I got it three hours ago, and some of you like, I don't have a clue what you're talking about. So real quick, let me say this here. Does the Bible teach that we are to reverence God? Does the Bible teach that? Is that clear or is that Gary's opinion? It's clear. Does it teach to reverence uh, when we come together to worship the house of God? Sure, it teaches it very, very clearly. That is a, that is a principle I could preach with authority and with power and standing on the, the Word of God that we are to reverence the Lord and coming into His presence we are to reverence, we are to take it serious, we are to, to take it very, very strong. Now, a man or a woman comes in, does reverencing the house of the Lord mean that you will eventually be wearing a suit and tie and look just like me? Not necessarily, but you know what it does mean. You're not gonna come in here with shorts and, t- and a tank top and flip flops, drinking a coffee and eating a donut, right? Does anybody follow this? It doesn't mean we're all gonna end up the same way. If you're a woman, you may not end up looking like Renee with a, with a skirt down to the floor and you know, looking like Renee, but you're not gonna keep coming in here with shorts and, and a tank top and flip flops and, and... Does anybody understand this? The, the principles will change you. If they don't change you, then you show you don't care. And if you tell me taking a covenant that I want to learn the Bible and, and live the Bible, but yet nothing changes, I'm gonna to have to say, you're not a member of the church because you broke the covenant.
0: We pray that this message has stirred your soul as you continue on for Christ. If you've been blessed by this sermon, we encourage you to share this podcast with others that we may together embolden each other for the kingdom cause. To listen to Sandhill Sermons live, you can join us Sundays at 11 o'clock on Facebook and YouTube. You can also find additional content such as our Steadfast Studies podcast or the NOYC Godcast for Youth provided by Sandhill for spiritual growth of all ages. These can be found at sandhillfwb.com or on all major podcast platforms. May God continue to richly bless your journey every step of the way.